next stop, the Super Bowl. Hell yeah, you know we on. We built to do this all night long. Who that? Who that say they gon' beat them Saints? They a lie. They can try, but in the don't we know they ain't. Let's go. We on the road. The next stop, the Super Bowl. Who that? And welcome back to Canal Street Chronicles podcast. I'm your host as always, Brendan Ertle. I'm alongside the great Nate Williamson. Nate, what's up? What's going on? Hello. T- today we're going to be talking about the New Orleans Saints defeating, yes, I said defeating the Los Angeles <laughs> Chargers 30-27 to in overtime and one of the most frustrating and happy games we've seen in a while. Um, before we talk about this game, of course, we always start in the division. And with this game, the Saints actually popped up on the top of the division, they're three and two, and it's a three-way tie with the Bucks and Panthers for that spot. The Bucks have the tiebreaker, so they have the second spot in that. And uh, the Panthers or the Falcons, I should say, are sitting alone without a coach, without a GM, down at the bottom without a win, and they don't have a lot of things going for them. And uh, their stadium doesn't work. I learned today the roof uh, is leaking, so not a lot of things are going well for them. But how about them Saints getting back in first? Honestly, it feels like a miracle that the Saints aren't in last. Uh, But, you know, they got a long way to go before they match Atlanta. And as weird as that is to say, truthfully, it it really is. Atlanta doesn't have any wins. Uh, Almost unbelievable for me. I predicted that they would at least get up there by six, seven wins. I thought this division uh, is really competitive, but I didn't think they were going to struggle that much with some of the teams that, uh, you would just never expect them to struggle with. Truthfully, right now, Carolina might be the best team in the division, so you never know. But it, it's all a little goofy, but they're right there where it matters. They're on top. Um, now's the time. No looking back. You're starting to get a little bit healthier, knock on wood. Um, and if you can keep that going, I, I like their chances to stay up there. You know, this might not be the you know 12-win team that some people thought it was going to be for whatever reason. I think I was up around nine or ten wins overall. Um, but between the Saints and Tampa, it's shaping up to be a really good race. And I think we always kind of thought that it would be. Um, however, if the Saints stay healthy in that defensive line, uh, for one, plays like it did last night, I like the odds. Uh, not to mention Emmanuel Sanders um, stepping up to the plate. Can't guard Mike coming back um, unless he punches somebody again. <laughs> um, but we hope to see him back out there on the field. And I hope to see all the guys out there uh, finally healthy and ready to go after the bye. Well, I tweeted out that I understand why Michael Thomas punched someone because that first half was horrible. And if, if they were practicing like, like that, I probably would have hit someone too, just out of pure frustration. Um, just There were times during the game where I just wanted to hit someone. But coming into this game, uh, um, being me, I grew up in Oregon, so I watched Justin Herbert a lot. Um, shout out Cam Jordan for calling him A-Bear. Um, I, I could have seen him – come into this game and kind of struggle because Saints the Saints always love to pressure rookie quarterbacks and then it, we were talking in our Kenosha Chronicles group chat and someone predicted four touchdowns and I was like you know what I feel like that's a likely outcome just because it's Saints football and we're here to disappoint and what does Justin Herbert do he throws it all over the field he looks like a freaking 10-year vet he's 20 for 34 264 yards and four touchdowns and he looked great. I mean, I personally was really impressed in how he looked. 
And there were times in this game where Saints had uh, cover zero blitz and they were sending the house and more and their family was blitzing on Justin Herbert. And he, he stayed calm. He stayed cool. And he threw some really good passes. There was a few times he had some uh, ones that could have – he wanted back definitely. But I was really impressed by Justin Herbert. Yeah, he looked really composed. And he really looked like the guy that um, most or a lot of people thought he was coming out of college. And truthfully, we watched a lot of him. If you're one of those guys that watches college football from the start of the day to the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, Pac-12 after dark and all these uh, – in the Oregon games and everything, you know, it's just it, – it got kind of – I don't want to say boring, but, you know, it's a definitely a different type of game to watch all the time uh, when you spend a day watching Big Ten and SEC play. But, you know, overall, truthfully, Herbert, um, I'm a big fan. He wasn't one of my guys coming out in that draft class, but I do like the fact that he got to sit a little bit, get a little bit of information, soak it in, you know, under this um, regime. They did a really good job handling him, and I think they're going to reap the benefits of that down the road. You know, the Chargers have been – one of the worst teams in terms of luck at the end of the game and winning games that are sl- um, very slim margins of error. And the saints have been one of the teams that have profited the most against teams like that. So it almost seems like it was in, uh, rooted in place that it was going to happen and come down to the end like that. And, you know, it changes the tone completely. We're a doink off the field goal post away from saying, Holy crap, Justin Herbert, that was an amazing game. That was literally a record-breaking game for a rookie on Monday Night Football or for a starter on Monday Night Football like that um, for four touchdowns. And, you know, they tried to keep him out for a while, but when somebody impresses in practice and, you know, and keeps showing why they should be on that field, you're not going to keep Tyrod Taylor out there ahead of him when you're not winning games and you're not doing much, you know. Terrifically, Herbert, he could have a very bright future. You know, I liked how they said last night, hold the Canton Awards, uh, just soak in the moment and enjoy it while it's here. Uh, In a couple of years, we might be looking at Herbert as one of the guys in the NFL. We're seeing a regime of quarterbacks head out. Uh, A strong arm quarterback that can also run is going to be something that comes in very, very handy as the game goes to a more quick-paced, elusive type and Herbert can get that job done on just about every bill. So, yeah, very excited about Herbert's performance. Um, probably even more excited that we finally got to see a return to the stat sheet of the defensive line for the Saints. And maybe, maybe, maybe if we're really lucky, uh, saw the lighter flick of the Marshawn Lattimore candle, um, you know, and he's going to be in a tough situation at the end of the season. Uh, if he plays like he has these last couple of games where Mickey Loomis is going to laugh at him when he demands top cornerback money, even though the last couple of seasons, you could argue that he's deserved it, but yeah, man, Herbert was good. This defense for the saints, it's a roller coaster. It reminds me of 2009. This entire team reminds me of, or not 2009, pre 2009 defenses, excuse me. And like, I don't know, man. I don't know where they're going to go from here. It could be really bad. Uh, it could be really good. It, it's almost scary as a Saints fan. You know, you expect them to win uh, 9, 10, 11 games on the season now. I know, obviously, when we were younger, that was never the case. And for most Saints fans, for their lifetimes, that's never been the case. But it's wild. Herbert showed out. Uh, the Saints didn't do a whole lot to stop him, that's for sure. It's crazy how people say it's a game of inches. And... If it wasn't for two or three inches, the Saints would be two and three, being third in the division, and we'd be all be saying right now, um, the season's over. Tank for Trevor. What? What? Yeah, tanks for Trevor. What's going on? We need to tank for a quarterback. Uh, Dennis Allen needs to go, and it's just 
NFL wins are so hard to come by and getting an ugly one like this. Uh, I feel like the saints really haven't had a, um, a, a win where I've been like confident in them after this year, they haven't had that, that solid win yet. And they're three and two. We've seen some terrible football from them and they're three and two in the top of their division. And they easily could, could have lost that game. That was kind of wild, but yeah, I mean, I mean, we kind of talked about Herbert and we kind of talked about the, the Renaissance and how close it is, you know, game of inches uh, from the saints being third in the division and the entire staff, their head being called for. And yeah, you know, I thought Sean Payton was on that track uh, for a while there last night. Um, the way he was calling plays, the way he was using Taysom on third down, and then in true Sean Payton fashion, Taysom <laughs> makes the big play that probably, in all honesty, in lateral wins the Saints the game, you know, and keeps that drive going and scores – well, no, actually scored the touchdown. Sorry, I couldn't remember if it was a touchdown or a first down. But uh, after that, it was basically a roller coaster. But, um, yeah, man, it's just – it's nuts, truthfully, uh, how close it was to this. And, you know, we had tweets saying, we're seeing the dynasty fall down, to which I reply, what dynasty? You know, the Patriots have been winning the Super Bowl for the past, like, 10 years. But, you know, Saints fans, whatever, man. But, uh, yeah, it it's a game of inches, and none was that more prevalent than last night. Yeah, like, if, if the Saints were to drop this game, they have Carolina coming up, and uh, the way Teddy Bridgewater has been playing – he led them past the Falcons. They really dominated that game from start to finish. Mike Davis has came out of nowhere and played great. Yet again, they played the Falcons. And they have the Bucks coming up once again. Getting this win was just so important, even if it was ugly. But they had a horrid start. I was sitting back in my chair, and I'm like, what is this team? They started down 20-3. to three. They were down 17 points. And um, I know you want to touch base on that later, but it was Drew's second largest comeback. Uh, the first being against the Miami Dolphins in 2009, which was 21 points. And we look at the things, all the things that went wrong in the first half. That Drew basically picked six. I don't know what happened on him. He sailed on it. He tried to do too much, maybe. I have no idea. But it was basically a pick six. Brought the defense down onto the one-yard line. We had a pretty good Sheldon Rankins drive on that uh, stop. But they did end up scoring. And then we look at the three and out. And then Dwayne Washington... Uh, hits the kicker, roughing the kicker, extends the drive, big play, and then the Chargers go down the score. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a seven-point swing, if not more. Like, we don't know what the Saints would have done on that drive. Um, And I'm not going to sit there and blame Dwayne Washington for this. And here's why. If you look at what the Chargers were doing against punt, they they weren't rushing anyone on on the edge. And if you don't – if you – you can't bash on Dwayne Washington unless you go out there and try it because you're – his responsibility is to go out there and try to block that punt. And he's done it before. And if he blocks it without touching the punter, we're all saying like, wow, what a play by Dwayne Washington. But if you're going and you can't stop, that gunner's just going to push on your right shoulder. And he, there's nothing he can do. There's no way that he could stop him. And he was just trying to catch him in the air. So I don't blame Dwayne Washington too much for that. There was things he could have done better. But uh, I feel like sometimes they seem to chill in the rushing the punter. But that's besides the fact um, penalties have been the biggest problem for the Saints so far this season. And uh, this game, it, I feel like it wasn't that big of a burden on them. Um, they weren't hurting themselves in that way, but they were killing themselves in other ways. If you look at the Chargers touchdowns, 
Um, they, I thought the defense actually played pretty well at times. I thought they got the timely stops and had some really good plays. But look at how the Chargers scored. First off, their first touchdown, it was a 36-yard uh, halfback draw to Justin Jackson. And that was – I mean, there's nothing really you can do. It was the perfect play call for uh, what the Saints are doing. It was a, a full-out blitz. And it was a halfback draw to the B gap, the one gap that they weren't saying pressure – and he gets 36 yards, and that sparks that drive. They go down and score. You look at um, a drive later where Marshawn got beat after roughing the kicker. It was a 49-yard catch to Mike Williams where it was just a really, really good pass and a good throw. I thought uh, the coverage was all right. Uh, Marcus Williams could have done a little bit on that. But overall, just a great play for them. But it's just something you can't, it can't happen. That's two weeks in a low, two weeks in a row. Lattimore's been beat over top. And I know they're relying on him to do more. And their third touchdown, of course, they started on the one-yard line. Nothing you can do about that. And the fourth touchdown was, of course, the 64-yard touchdown to Mike Williams, which gave them uh, 27 points in the lead late. And uh, the broadcast was taking a big dump on Patrick Robinson, and it wasn't even his fault. Uh, It was P.J. Williams in that cover, too. Yeah, that was really ugly broadcasting. And, you know, I, as a broadcaster, as someone who does – it's a completely different sport. It's a lot faster sport than football, I will admit. As someone who broadcasts hockey, you know, mistakes happen. But when you're going to rag on a player and you're going to continuously rag on a player, you <laughs> make sure you know what player actually did what you're ragging on about. Because otherwise, whew, that's a big guffaw. And if you weren't an established broadcaster like those guys are – you're never getting another game. You're gone, man. Let me tell you. It's a it's a non-forgiving business. But yeah, man, I this secondary, I think I saw a tweet that said said it right last night. I don't remember whose it was, but you know, it said, you know, the likes of Patrick Mahomes, the likes of um Aaron Rodgers, you know, they're gonna feast if this secondary plays the way that it did against Justin Herbert. And you know, all credit to Justin Herbert, he did great. He's just not – he's not on their level. Very few quarterbacks are, you know. So not as a slant to him, but, man, they are going to just absolutely tear this secondary apart if you can't get any production. What is up with Marcus Williams? I think we need to be asking that question. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, we've always had questions about his tackling, but now his coverage looks bad. His coverage hasn't looked good. You know, Marshawn Lattimore looked a little bit better towards the end of the game, but otherwise he's been bad. Janoris Jenkins was out hurt, which really hurt. Honestly, who would have thought – that he would be our top corner, arguably, going into the next game if he's back. And then, you know, you just got – you have guys like P.J. Williams uh, that are just not doing themselves any favors uh, in this secondary, and it's just ugly, you know. Um, and like you said earlier, I think you said it best, honestly. If I was Michael Thomas and they were practicing that way, I, I probably <laughs> hit somebody too. They need it, you know. It, it's like one of those things you – there's there's locker room – motivators there's locker room cancers uh, and sometimes that that line is pretty thin and really depends on how the story gets reported um so you know it, it could be that this is what they needed you know they're if they settled the drew Brees thing they settled all of that they're gonna get this worked out to me that's mm-hmm. i i just think that that locker room has no problem with egos as we've seen over the years um, because most of the egos get reformed into team players, and there's a lot of chemistry on that team. You're not going to miss because two guys that are, you know, by all accounts, uh, decent on their right mind, definitely good football players, had a little bit of a scuffle. You know, they don't hold grudges like that. 
things get intense. We talked about when Delvin Bro was telling us, you know, things mm-hmm. get intense. They're in your face, uh, especially between a, a set member of the secondary um, and a wide receiver or a receiving tight end, you know. Uh, that's just the way things work. You see it every game. You see it every practice. And honestly, it can be really handy down the line. You fight for the guys you care about. You fight against the guys you care about when they're doing something stupid. I thought the safety play in this game, minus CJ Groner Johnson, was oh terrible. Yeah, terrible. We look at all those guys. He was back there. Marcus Williams, uh, cover zero blitz. You got to be on your man like glue. And he was just caught flat footed. I mean, I don't know what he thought he was going to run, but he was caught sitting there. And the worst thing you want to be as a DB is flat-footed. And he got stuck, got burnt. Justin Herbert bought time and threw a touchdown. And P.J. Williams, that burnt assignment. Uh, there were some callers on WWL today that were just bashing on Aaron Glenn. I mean, Aaron Glenn can't if, – if he'd go out there, I'm sure he'd get closer to the receivers than P.J. did. He totally bit up. Yeah. And um, it was covered. I mean, the, the underneath route was covered. And it's just something you can't do. Marcus Williams actually was in good position on the other side of the field, and he was like 10 yards back than him. And uh, we look at Malcolm Jenkins as well. Um, right after the Saints touchdown, the first play, Herbert throws um, not a very good pass, and right in Jenkins' hands just slipped through. That would have been a huge momentum swing. It would have been all New Orleans. They probably would have won that game in overtime or in, reg- uh, in the regular yeah. time yeah. If, if he picks that off because they got, they got the ball at the 40. Uh, I thought CJ did pretty good. I mean, I see him more of a sub linebacker sometimes than a safety. He's just out there just being an athlete. But after that first half start, I didn't have much faith. And uh, we just need to remember with these Saints that you got to keep faith because what a second half. I thought that second half, they look like uh, if you don't even show me the first half tape and show me the second half film, mm-hmm. I'm saying this, this team could win 13, 14 games probably. If you fix the mistakes, they could be very talented. Mm-hmm. And, and that's you know, without Mike Thomas out there. That That's without mm-hmm. their best receiver, the best receiver in football, in my opinion. Uh, call him slant boy, call him whatever else. He gets the job done. And half of the Twitter commentators would get out there and probably die of exhaustion after the first play. Uh, so I don't think he really pays too much attention to that. But, yeah, I, I completely agree. It was such a big change, you know. It's insane. And, you know, I got to I gotta. I got to say, you know, Marquez Calloway coming in mm-hmm. um, in relief on the punt. And, okay, we'll talk about the Camara kick return and how genius that was in just a little yeah. bit. But Calloway looked good the entire game. You know, he had some punts that were brought back because of really rinky-dink penalties that should be cleaned up. And if not, mm-hmm. those guys should be off of special teams and maybe off the roster because that's what you're there to do for the most part when you're on special teams. Um, you know, we were missing – um, Justin Hardy. So that hurt a little bit too, but, uh, how smart was it? Sean Payton and company, I don't know who would have officially made this decision, throwing Kamara out there for that final kick return. That to me was a stroke of genius. You know, you need, you need a big return. You put the craftiest, the sneakiest, the most elusive guy potentially in your conference, in your division, in your um, entire league out there. Uh, to run back your kick you know that that to me was one of the highlights of the game I saw him come out there and I was like oh yeah they mean business they're probably going to go on and win mm-hmm. this game I mean that's that's a complete not a shot at Marcus Calais because he had a phenomenal day mm-hmm. and if they would have kept him back there I would have been just as confident with him just because um, how how well he did all game and I think uh, if Deontay Harris can't go uh, for weeks to come they'll be fine I think Calais proved himself 
and he really proved himself as a passer in offense. Mm-hmm. Um, he had two or three grabs, and uh, Benny Fowler, we saw, got to get a ton of action, and it just seemed like Drew and Benny couldn't get a real connection going. There was always uh, catch, or, catch on the ground or incomplete. And looking at that first half, the second half, it looked like the Saints were missing a Michael Thomas. It really did. It looked like the one thing they were missing in the offense is Michael Thomas. And you're trying to start a car without any keys. You just, you're not going to figure it out. And you get the keys of the car by Michael Thomas. And second half, uh, they found Emmanuel Sanders, and they found him often. And he didn't really get a catch until that last drive, the last two-minute drive. He got a couple of catches. I think he scored a touchdown, but what do I know? The rest uh, know more, a lot, lot more than me, I guess. Uh, but they, he got him involved, and um, he said it was a career day for him. He's never had more than 11 catches, and he had 12 today for 122. So, I mean, Drew needed someone to rely on, and he relied on Emmanuel Sanders for sure. It was a really good day for him. I, I thought he was consistently getting open, even when he wasn't getting the ball. You know, we saw Drew struggle in that first half. Um, and if you, I think I have a feeling, haven't done it, obviously, if we go back and watch that tape, you know, Emmanuel Sanders probably out there and open a little bit more often than he actually got the ball. You know, like you said about Fowler, I, that whole story, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's what the game's all about. You know, it was just Emmanuel Sanders said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to bring a friend, you know, so you don't get tired throwing just to me or doing whatever, you know, that, that, that's just crazy to me. That's just, and that guy wouldn't even have had a shot on the saints if, you know, uh, Sanders hadn't signed with the saints. If Sanders has gone somewhere else, you don't know if that meetup in the summer happens or what that's it's so cool. And it was good to see him get action last night too. He did a good job. Yeah. And another player that had a phenomenal game was Alvin Kamara. And here's what I'll say about him. If you're just putting him in the offensive player of the year category, that is rude. He should be in the MVP conversation right now. But just yeah. because what he does is literally ridiculous. Like it's like it's disgusting. When he mossed that DB, I was like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, I thought 12.5 million or whatever he's getting was a little bit much. That's a discount. He's yeah. our best player right now. Yeah, and he might be our best player for years to come. I mean, if he if he stays healthy, which, I mean, that guy, you know, he had that one stretch, you know, last year and in, um, in the offseason where he just needed some time to get healthy, you know, it, where he was hurt. But if he stays healthy and all inclinations is that he's capable, knock on wood, it's hard to see him not, you know, ending up in the Saints Hall of Fame by the end of his career. And I don't want to jinx that or anything, but – that dude is just elite. He, he is a crazy human being and a talent to which we're not going to see. You know, it's it's Randy Moss meets – I don't even know. Player <laughs> comp for Alvin Kamara is almost just impossible for me. I've been thinking about it for three years now, and I just can't do it, man. He, he is an animal and in the best way. He's, he's awesome. I hope he's a saint uh, for as long as he is productive, you know. And he – He's, it's not like he's uh, productive because the Saints offense mm-hmm. has been good. He, he makes his own plays. I mean, it's not like Michael Thomas and Drew Brees, they rely on each other. Kamara's out there doing it himself. Yeah. And that's why I think he's so important to the freaking team. And I don't know if there's a running back in the league right now to take over him. I mean, I being completely honest, I don't – you could look at Zeke or Aaron Jones, but they just don't do what he does in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And he, right now he's he, – he, He's our best receiver, and I love Emmanuel Sanders, but 
uh, there's not much just it dump it dump it to Kamara and in, in the flat you could get a 50-yard touchdown out of that which is mm-hmm. just crazy but I want to talk about Jared Cook too I mean he was he said after uh the game that he's banged up and he's actually not feeling good he said he like was a little bit iffy so I'm really glad he played in this game and it made sense that he wasn't a huge uh target in this game I was like why aren't they going to cook it all and um when we're all starting to get a little bit questionable and Drew about throwing the ball deep, he slinged that thing and it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. It was perfectly placed. And that's, you know, if, if he hadn't came out after the game and said, you know, I wasn't feeling 100%, you know, even then I still would have been like, you know, they were just scheming that the whole time they were saying, okay, we're just going to not throw to Jared for a while. Jared, you're going to get the entirety of your receiving yards on this one play. Just, just hold tight and block a couple of times. I promise you're going to get the ball. Eventually, you know, we're going to make them back off you. Voila. They did throw it down and just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, I love Jared cook. I love me some Drew Brees, and I love that combo even more when Drew can throw further than five yards past the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and that was like vintage Drew. They showed his eyes, and you could see him look to the right, look at Emmanuel, go back to Jared Cook, and it was just enough to get Adderley to kind of peel off of him, and it was just a perfect ball. And there was like three or four defenders around Cook, and he had like five yards of separation on all of them. And that's just a product of Drew looking him off, and they got they were looking at his eyes, and that's what the number one thing – you're taught not to do and I thought Drew had a great second half and if this is in fact his last Monday night football game uh what a way to do it uh, his old team that didn't have much confidence in him after after the injury you're down 17 points to them more adversity uh, and it's his second largest comeback in his career mm-hmm. um it's just I was great stuff and we've seen some hall of fame moments from Drew and on, on Monday night football uh, breaking the touchdown record, breaking the passing record. And he wasn't really up for any records tonight, but he did something that he's only done once before. And at the age of 41 years old, or however old he is, I think that was a phenomenal last game for him. And, wow, just lots of things had to go their way. And, and that second half was I, – I have it rated as an A-minus performance. And if that P-Rob, P.J. Williams miscommunication doesn't happen – they're shutting out the Chargers in the second half, and they're getting an A-plus from me. So I was impressed with the Saints in the second half. So hopefully they can carry that second-half performance into the bye week, get better, and then Panthers when they get back, hopefully in Tiger Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be awesome. That's the latest development. But, yeah, just, just a little bit on that, man. If that's Drew's last Monday night game, A, I'm going to – cry my eyes out when that man retires but b that what a heck of a way to go out you know it's almost like a micro study of his career you know it started off lots of adversity lots of people Mm -hmm. saying what's this guy got what's he got left what's he gonna do you know after that injury what's he gonna do after uh, whatever they were saying you know his arm's dead whatever what's he gonna do in that second half he comes out and puts his finger to his mouth and says shut the up guys because I'm still here and I'm here to play for the rest of the season but you know man uh, if that's his last game then they still should call that guy Mr. Monday Night because he has owned Monday Night Football in headline in reality in wins in everything especially uh, and you know it's it's been a long ride on Monday night for him so it'll be it would be great to see him go out on a game like that like you said against his former team and uh, 
Yeah, man. I hope they can get into Tiger Stadium. That would be, as an LSU and a Saints fan, uh, you know, I, and there's so many of us out there, you know, that would be, it's not the first time they've done it, but that would be just freaking awesome. And, you know, having crowd back in there, uh, at least in some ways, you, you know, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, all that surrounding area, they're going to get out there and uh, <laughs> they're going to throw a, you know, hopefully safe, hopefully safe, hopefully responsible uh, crawfish ball outside the stadium. A nice, a nice party atmosphere. Out Don't there call it a sure. tailgate. It's not a tailgate. It's not a tailgate. It's a, <laughs> it's a protest against uh, beer cans and the Saints losing. Yeah. And the Saints losing. <laughs> they're, oh, they're just protesting the, the opposing team coming into their town. That's what it is. I mean, and 25, they said 25% is kind of the, the number to look at. You look at 25% Tiger Stadium versus 25% of the Superdome, it's a little bit more people. And I think the Saints feed off of the fans a lot. And, I, I mean, I really don't know. We, I guess we'll find out. But I think some of these slow starts have come to um, – they don't have the fans on their side. I feel like they are so um, – the players in the locker room are so culture-forward. They love New Orleans. They love dancing to the music. And after they tied it up 27-27, they showed the sideline, all the players dancing. And it's just – it didn't feel the same. There's no fans dancing with you. The music's blasting, but you're just kind of dancing by yourself. It just didn't feel right. And I feel like once those fans come back, that'll just be another juice to them. Hopefully, like you said – oh, I want to talk about Davenport for a second too. But hopefully we get Gene Norris back soon and we can get 100% healthy. But – Davenport played this game and I thought he was extremely disruptive mm-hmm. as long with the, as, as like all the whole line Trey Hendrickson um, is playing better than Jadavion Clowney no question about it right now mm-hmm. um, I don't even know if Clowney has a sack yet and Trey has like what three or four yeah and Cam Jordan emerged he had seven hurries and a sack and Sheldon Rankins had a vintage game. He had multiple shimmies in the backfield. Mm-hmm. David Onyemata with lots of pressure. Malcolm Brown, too. I was really happy with the defensive line. Yeah, man. That was as close to a great defensive line as I've seen from the Saints in some time. And, I, you know, I had to choose my uh, wording carefully there because we've had some good defensive line over the years, especially recently, led by Cam Jordan. But that is the byproduct of several years of building, you know, you've got the emergence of the T-Rex Hendrickson just absolutely tearing up whatever offensive line any team throws out there at this point. He is insane. You know, Cam Jordan, we knew we were eventually going to get vintage Cam back. You know, he, he's getting a little older, but that's not going to slow him down that much. You know, he's going to get out there and get his Turkey leg eventually one way or another. And man, yeah, I got to say Davenport really impressed me. You know, Davenport, was constantly out there being disruptive, swallowing up one or two offensive linemen, opening things up for, you know, Cam Jordan, Trey Hendrickson, you know, Sheldon Rankins, everybody out there. Um, And yeah, it it was just an overall very impressive game. I thought pretty much the entire game, if there would have been, if the Saints had continued the second half the way that they had finished and started the first half, I would have thought the bright spot would have been the defensive line. No doubt. You know, I was thinking the whole game, you know, these guys look, they look hungry. They look like they want to get at this rookie quarterback and they look like uh, a team that really wanted to attack. And that's something we haven't seen for a while. So man, if that front four for whatever, you know, they want to throw out there can get some momentum, that's going to be huge down the line. When you play guys like um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, whose offensive line has 
some questions in there as well now, and it hasn't had in a while, and he struggled a little bit, but especially uh, Patrick Mahomes. You got to, and you know, there's no way to stop him. You can only hope to slow him down. Uh, if they can get to him a couple times, you know, that'll make a huge difference. Uh, as many times as big man Sheldon Rankins lays on Patrick Mahomes, you know, it's going to be uh, quite impactful, I would say, you know. Yeah, we saw the Chiefs uh, kind of get rolled on by the Raiders, and the way they did that was pass rush, and they stopped the run. And that's what the Saints' uh, defense line has done well for a long time. And I know it's this is a record that we hate to hold on to because it just makes us so anxious, but the Saints have 48 consecutive games holding a rusher under 100 yards, and Justin Jackson, 71 yards on 15 carries, was maybe the closest we've seen in a while but if you take away his 36-yard run, which is what on the halfback draw, that was just a lucky play call. He averaged 2.5 yards per carry. And so the Saints did a great job shutting him down. Besides that run, they couldn't get anything going on the ground. And that's why Herbert at times is having t- struggles throwing the football because these guys, um, I, they, they knew they couldn't run the football. And then the Saints knew that they would stop the, stop the run. And moving forward, if they can keep that up um, – I know the Panthers won't have uh, Christian McCaffrey, but looking forward, we, we, we play these teams with good running backs. So if keep shutting down that run game, uh, the record's 53 and we are five games away. So we could break that record. Um, I know it's nothing that anyone really cares about, but it's a cool thing that our defense has been struggling these past few years a little bit in terms of uh, the past. And we have a NFL history uh, run defense um, record that we could break so mm-hmm. pretty cool there but I um, mean they get a nice bye week they get to uh, fight out as much problems as they want they can uh, <laughs> go to a boxing class uh, the biggest takeaway is um, they got to change something up on yoga day uh, the, the Saints love their yoga instructor Jessica but whatever happens um, during practice after uh, they were not relaxed after that yeah. yoga session they were they were heated Michael Thomas was not happy Nick Underhill talked a little bit about how much uh, they were just talking crap to each other in that scrimmage. So hopefully they can get some more yoga in, get Michael Thomas healthy. He said that he actually isn't healthy right now. So hopefully we can get him to 100% and we can chill out on the Twitter drama with Michael and everything else. And let's just have a nice relaxing bye week. You know, I'm going to reference hockey for the second time on this podcast and you'll probably never hear me do that again but you know the year that the blues went on and won their stanley cup you know just oh yeah last year 2018-19 and i'm not gonna say that this is what you need to win a championship uh robert bortuzzo and zach sanford two guys on the blues team two impact players that are really big names a younger guy and older guy went at it in practice just threw it down in practice, no reason to fight in practice. They were just angry at each other. That team pulled it together and put up together one of the performances that will honestly live on in NHL history forever. You know, sometimes battling heads in your practice turns out for the better. You know, we've seen it a couple of times other than that. That's just the one that, you know, kind of comes into my head. And it was in a similar style, you know, a scrimmage like that. It was a three-on-three battle drill, uh, one where you go really hard 24-7. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll see something like that happen. Maybe at the least we'll at least see a fire lit, you know, one of those close games like that against a team that, you know, you really want to win that game for Drew. 
um, especially with all the things going on, you know, the NFL not moving their game prior to that, you know, the game before, there's been a lot of hardships. Um, and, you know, like you said earlier, we just got to have some faith and uh, keep riding the crazy ship that has been 2020. And you really, I mean, you see teams like the sure to win the Super Bowl, uh, Kansas City Chiefs lose. You know, mm-hmm. why not us? You know, why, why couldn't it be their year? We started Rocky, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough sledding. Uh, it's going to be a tough schedule, but you, you kind of got to ask and you kind of got to wait around and say, this roster's got all the talent. That second half looked like a team that wanted to win um, and the team that we expected to come into the season. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if they can put it together and treat this as like their preseason games. You know, you never know. And the St. Louis Blues at uh, the halfway mark were the dead last team in the NHL. Yeah, predicted and they to have came the back number and one won it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah and- man, that was one of the wildest years of my life. That was one of the wildest years of my life. But so I mean, you can never count a team out. Like mm-hmm. the New York Giants won it when they were eight and eight, and we've seen the Saints uh, the past three years be thirteen and three and eleven and five the year before, and be in contention for the first seed. And maybe this could be a little bit of a different outlook this year, where they have to work harder for uh, their playoff games and not just come into the game being extremely favored by two touchdowns and a field goal. So that guy could be different, but I just want to clear something up. I've getting, I've had way too many people text me about this uh, on Twitter. Um, Michael Thomas did not get suspended for punching mm-hmm. CJ Gunner Johnson. He got suspended for whatever happened after the fight where uh, there's been some rumors that he was disrespecting a coach. He was talking back to Sean Payton um cj and michael are the two most competitive players on the team and nick underhill said that they fought last year uh the seattle week they threw some punches some uh, helmets came off and that's gonna happen so and there was no suspensions for that so i don't know if the saints are calling it a suspension i think they just called it um out with the not non-injury related i think he still gets his game check but um i know michael thomas is kind of sour right now uh, he's retweeting some stuff on Twitter where you're kind of like, eh, he's not Antonio Brown. He'll be fine. He'll clear his head. He'll get back to practice and they'll be just fine with him moving forward. And I guarantee CJ and him, um, they don't hate each other. They don't have to be best friends, but they're two competitors that just want to win each and every single snap. And that's what you want to see from your football team. Yeah. It, I mean, it really is. And you know, it, it's just one of those things that you're going to have happen at some point with guys that are as talented and as driven as that, you know, some of the best players in history that have played together, didn't really love each other and, you know, didn't um, quite gel as people, but on the field, you know, uh, they led their teams to some crazy stuff. So, you know, if you're going to have a dust up, whatever, you know, leave it on the field. I understand why, you know, SP and the staff decided, you know, Mike, we're going to hold you out. This game, get back next game, uh, two weeks from now, clear head, get a little bit more rest on that injury because we all know Mike Thomas was going to push himself through that injury, even if he wasn't 100%, and try and have a crazy game coming back, you know. Uh, And I think that's also part of it probably that we're not really hearing is that, you know, maybe Mike Mm -hmm. Thomas wanted to play and felt he could play and was cleared. Um, But, you know, the Saints decided, hey, this might not be the best idea and it might not be a bad idea for us to take advantage of this situation and, you know, hold you out one game. And, you know, that'll never be confirmed. That'll never be on record anywhere, but Mm -hmm. it is something to consider. Yeah. So, and I mean, 
you don't have to like each other. You you really don't. You know, me and you don't like each other, and we do this just fine. <laughs> yeah, we do great. We make millions of dollars doing this. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I just bought another yacht. I mean, for real. Like, come on. No, but yeah. I mean, I just I I just feel like this will blow over in two weeks. We'll have a new story. Le'Veon Bell just got released today before mm-hmm. Adam Gase got fired. So, you know, we're going to we're going to have some more stories coming out and I think this whole thing will be in the past before it's too long. Yeah, I know Sean Payton, you'll never hear him talk about an injury or someone on the injury list and this is the question mark that Michael Thomas said he said he tweeted out to a fan which you never really like to see your Star Wars you were doing, but he said I was never healthy. I was just trying to help my team get a win. So that just right there, he's not 100% right now. Um and he said I had a setback was close. And I, and I take my health serious. So knowing he had a setback and he was not healthy, that, that alone is extremely frustrating. And I know his, in his mindset, he's like, I'm, I'm out there. I'm not getting any catches. My, um, I'm not on the receiver. I'm not on the stat sheet. I want to go help this team win. We're kind of struggling a little bit. And for him to watch at home on the TV, I know he hates it. And I think that fueled part of his frustration was, uh, setback and a health so um, blessing disguise that he gets sit and sat this game he gets a full another week uh, to rehab Cameron Jordan was talking on his podcast how much they actually hate the bye week because they still have to come in every day and rehab and they hate rehabbing because it's hard uh, but it's something you have to do and I know Michael Thomas will do everything he possibly can to get 100% and hopefully he can be healthy and not be playing on a bum ankle because moving mm-hmm. forward we will need him it is clear with that first half and the game in general, we need Michael Thomas in this offense. Yeah, and any team would, that's for sure. You know, it's funny. Everybody criticizes Michael Thomas as slant boy or whatever you want to call him. But, you know, when he has a spat in practice, they're saying, trade him to my team. We'll take him right now. We'll <laughs> yeah. take him. That's the best receiver in football. We love you, Mike. Nobody will ever fight with you. And Twitter is a scary place for those reasons, oh, but yeah, you know, it's a dark, dark place. It really is. It it kind of sucks. Like if I didn't have to be on it, you know, I might take some some time off of it. But you know, Mike Thomas, you know, there's nothing wrong with defending yourself. And you know, yeah, you don't like to see him tweeting to fans, but it, we've seen a lot worse. I guess is like you know, <laughs> you know, we've seen some crazy things over time. Antonio Brown, you know, even Des Bryant to some points. Uh, yeah tweet some crazy stuff so as long as he doesn't make it there we're cool we're cool <laughs> he can tweet he, anything he wants mm-hmm. if we win a super bowl i mean, I mean he can go tweet out another it. language cam newton tweets <laughs> in another language i mean like come on come on it's crazy like we're just we're analyzing this too much you know it, it's crazy but you know we saw the other day what you know what impact he has on this team you know even when he's off the field you know with traquan having a big game and, you know, him mm-hmm. texting Traquan before the game. And, you know, he said, you know, goal ball out, you know, and that's all he said. But I have a hard time believing that. I think there were some other words in there, you know, oh, some yeah. encouragement, some advice. You know, I think he brings a lot of these guys along. Uh, MT's a team player, and I think we'll be past this before long. Yeah, uh, I will wrap with the pod in a second. Just stay with us now. Uh, but Emmanuel Sanders came on um, ESPN at an interview, and he was talking about uh, Michael Thomas. And even when he's not making a play, he's impacting this team. Because in the Tampa Bay game, he said that Emmanuel um, at that point didn't play look very well. So he was at some points not in the right spots. And Michael kind of got on him. He's like, what are you effing doing? Like, what, 
you're in the wrong spots. What are you doing? I was kind of like, whoa, like he actually said that to him. But like Michael's out there, he's trying to win. And if you're not playing at his level of competition, he's going to get at you. And I think that's kind of what happened at practice. But um, moving forward, you will not have a pregame podcast from us because we don't have a pregame this week. You guys can relax and enjoy uh, the Green Bay Packers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, hopefully. Um, But we will hopefully come at you with some news regarding where the Saints will actually be playing their football game. Um, We haven't had that uh, conversation since I was even born. Really, yeah. so um, yeah, has been hopefully we can get the Tiger Stadium. But if not, they'll be playing the Dome again, maybe with fans. Who knows at this point? We won't get into that. But we will be joining you guys later in the week or early next week with some hopefully good news on that part. Yeah, I, I sure hope so. I, I hope to see that either, you know, they're going to force the hand in a safe way, of course, you know, of – um Oh, I forget the mayor's name, Latoya something, Latoya Cantrell. Mm-hmm. And just, I, I hope we either see that done in a safe way or that they just go somewhere else, you know, and you know, it's all, it's all very relative and, you know, everybody's going to have a different opinion on it based on what your opinion is of their situation. You know, people in new Orleans definitely going to have a different uh, opinion on it. People of out of new Orleans, uh, COVID is not stagnant everywhere. It's not a straight line everywhere of infections and whatnot. But, you know, here's hoping that whatever gets done, it gets done in a safe way. Uh, I haven't seen the Saints move since they were in Houston, Houston right? Katrina, yeah, they played so. in Houston. I think that's it. Um, and other than that, I don't think we've ever seen that. So that, that's pretty wild, you know, to see them even move 80 miles. Um, or no, they did play in Tiger Stadium after Katrina. That was a busy time. I had my hands full then. But, you know, um, so hopefully a safe conclusion of that. Sorry, drowning on too long. Well, yeah, um, uh, the mayor took to Twitter today. And honestly, it wouldn't be bad if uh, Michael Thomas sub- subteed the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, then Mike to war with the mayor. <laughs> yeah, that that would get ugly real fast. But I you know if Tom Benson would here was here, we'd be uh probably be playing in Tiger Stadium. He would not put up with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, love Mrs. Benson to death, but she's too nice of a woman to yeah. um ever be uh be rude to someone else. So, I mean, let's see it next week. We'll uh catch, catch you guys next next week. Hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. You can. Hit us up with any questions. Uh, we'll, we can answer your guys' questions in the pod if you guys want. Um, you guys know the drill. I'm Brennan. He's Nate. We appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Give us five stars, not four, not three, not two. If you want to give us one, if you, if, if you want to give us one, just leave the pod. Um, just give us five. We appreciate it. Who that? Who that? Who that? Let's go. We on the road. The next stop.